welcome one and all to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete, or Robot Pete. I'm not a robot, so I'll be fine. The Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode one, Glorious Purpose, is brought to you by non-laser-proof fine Asgardian leather. Pete, here we are kicking things off with Loki. And, you know, I know that obviously we've done WandaVision. Okay, obviously we've done the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, however, it's been a while since we've been in the particular comic book show streaming milieu uh, that uh, Netflix has done in the past, which is uh, the news this week that Loki is the most watched thing yet on Disney Plus by numbers that are difficult to triangulate and impossible to confirm. Um, but it's super popular, so that's good. Uh, more subscriptions equals more eyeballs. I mean, Matt, to think that the Mandalorian podcast by Fantastic Geek started when there were just 7 million subscribers to Disney Plus way the heck back in November of 2019. And here we are, we're well over 100 million so that's how numbers work and fresh content that's been advertised out the wazoo people now taking in and getting it to us on a wednesday rather than a friday that much better and certainly if you are a brandy brand new listener to fantastic geek welcome aboard as we offer up weekly loki analysis uh, of course in the fantastic geek uh, back catalog is the aforementioned WandaVision and uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and indeed Pete everything MCU Matt not just your Falcon and the Winter Soldier not just your WandaVision we are the only podcast to have done every single Marvel MCU TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that might be important in this particular one on down you got your netflix marvels you got your agent carter i mean heck matt i i think we might have even been the only ones on cloak and dagger and runaways but we got it all you can check it all out and star trek and star wars and all sorts of other geeky goodness Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode. New York 2012, after Loki is apprehended by the Avengers, Captain America is going to coordinate search and rescue, and Loki mocks him before Thor muzzles him. Stark takes the Tesseract and makes Hulk take the stairs, as seen, of course, in the events of Avengers Endgame. Matt, I've not compared the two side by side. To my eyes, it seems there was a close-up or two on Tom Hiddleston that was not in Endgame. I certainly would agree that, um, yeah, I think there was stuff shot for this episode to kind of better locify it. Um, but it was certainly fun. Pete, I know that we, in our preview podcasts for the series, we had wondered... 
you know, what cameos will we get? Now, granted, in this episode, we're not getting new footage shot of anyone uh, other than Loki in, in these uh, scenes from other movies. But, Pete, I did not expect Upfront to get all of the Avengers and, I guess, the back of, uh, the back of Alexander Pierce's head and so forth. Hey, take what they give us here. Uh, the scene downstairs plays out a little bit more from Loki's point of view. Ant-Man hitting the case uh, and the second Stark referenced in a little bit, drenched in cologne, uh, hit by Hulk as he exits the stairs. The Tesseract still winds up at Loki's feet, which he picks up and vanishes with take us into the marvel green gold and black i like it title card with the series very atmospheric kind of synthesizer music there yes this uh marvel studios logo here dripping with the lush music of natalie holt uh she's somebody who has been around in in the world of music for uh, a good long while but doesn't have a ton of uh, a, a ton of music writing, movie music writing, and so forth to her credit. I will say this, Pete. Uh, she once, in all sincerity, threw eggs at um, Simon Cowell uh, to protest his bad influence on the uh, the pop music industry. Uh, but I digress. We have this great music here. Pete, I think Tinges of the Theremin. Uh, that's, your, that's your kind of uh, ether-like, uh, you know, usually traditionally used kind of in... Uh, in bad alien movies and whatnot but just the music <laughs> yeah. here just 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 fantastic and that's it now whether it is whether whether it is synthesized or done by hand the, the theremin is uh, notoriously difficult to play since it is uh entirely dependent on your hands hanging in air above the device and whatnot um but pete we're off to some great music here take us to mongolia an insect scurries across the sand of the gobi desert as a portal opens high above an encampment and Loki streaks from the sky into a dune. As the dust settles, the locals approach him and he gives them his usual spiel. They ask who he is and why he has come in their native tongue when another portal opens next to the Tesseract and three paramilitary soldiers emerge. As he tells them not to touch it, still another doorway opens for a uniformed woman who declares this a standard sequence violation and the branch is growing at a stable rate and slope the variant is id'd and on behalf of the time variance authority she arrests him for crimes against the sacred timeline pete this is the first of many scenes of exposition uh i would argue many examples of very effective exposition uh, here with this charging of the crime, Loki laughs it off, saying that he's had his fill of idiots in suits. Because, Pete, he was just with the Avengers, if you get it. Uh, yeah. He says it is their last chance. Uh, instead, he gets time batoned. Pete, that's my term for it, although I think it's a good one. It's always better when you put time before stuff. Yes, it is. Uh, we have this hilarious slow-mo sequence, which is revealed in in great uh, kind of camera blocking by uh, by director Kate Heron here. It's slow-mo for Loki, but not slow-mo for the guard um, who collars him. Uh, he is taken, and uh, she declares the timeline to be reset. Uh, we see a small fizzy box that gets uh, set off. 
Uh, we also see Loki looking a bit surprised uh, off screen at the small fizzy reset box. More on that in our theories segment. Uh, because Pete, I think it is, I think it is dire, dire news there. Uh, but through the portal he goes, ending up in just this genius production design, kind of low key. No pun intended. I really put that in my notes and meant that from the heart. I'm just realizing now that. That's uh, a homophone for the main character, but a, a, a pared-down 70s kind of mod-chic thing. It's old and new and yellow. It's just wonderful. Uh, and Pete, he's taken to the main office. Tremendous space here, these uh, industrial corporate sets. Uh, brought into a room with a large circular motif here. There's a desk and at least one variant scroll asked to fill out some paperwork a greasy guy is brought in whose dad he says is on the board of goldman sachs he can uh get that guard's whole job privatized with one little call loki tries to run and the the best type of exposition not where you're told but where you're shown here he's reset twice uh the woman is hunter b15 uh, a male receptionist played by our man, Matt, Eugene Cordero. He of Mandalorian and Lower Decks, both fantastic geek podcasts, greets them cheerily. And Hunter B-15 tells him to log the Tesseract as evidence. Yes, loving that round desk, by the way. Very uh, Ron Swanson. Uh, Loki ultimately is put into an elevator where uh, what I would call a friendly spider robot with perhaps uh, tinges of uh, Pixar and Wally kind of smiles at him. Again, it's this great it's this great aesthetic of the robot looks or certainly the robot face is very, very low tech, you know, eight bit, if not less. Um, but then there's all these kind of, you know, robot arms to it. Ultimately, it lasers off Loki's clothes in a scene that my wife quite enjoyed. Uh, not, <laughs> not. I'm not sure of the particulars there. Um, the floor drops out of that elevator. He's dropped into a prison jumpsuit uh, where he has to sign all his words. I know that that scene, you know, and then he says, what? And the new thing prints out and whatnot. I know that was part of the trailer. Um, somehow it just plays better. It plays better as, yeah, you basically saw the whole thing in the trailer. It's just a weird moment. You know, the, the robot spider is a weird moment. This is a weird moment. He gets dropped again uh, where there's a, a a wooden portal. Pete, it's a guardian of forever. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong franchise. Um, he confirms that he's not a robot being and indeed does have a soul. Uh, at least he's not a robot to his knowledge. Do a lot of people not know they're robots? Pete, I don't know if that's just droll writing or set up for the next five episodes but uh i'm there all along the way might be for the uh, army of the dead uh universe <laughs> matt uh but that's a separate podcast um having confirmed this he enters through the portal there very tsa of the tva uh there's humming in a flash a polaroid type image emerges of his temporal aura uh, and he's asked to go through another door where a TVA guard tells him to take a ticket uh, this is the room where we have uh, greasy guy as well and we get our first poster on the wall Matt ominously it is miss minutes and it says behave or get your clock cleaned 
perhaps shades of another Disney division where you better have all your tickets to, so you can stand in line properly. And if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Um, Goldman Sachs Scion does not take a ticket. Uh, Loki ultimately does, even though he notes that there's only two prisoners there making their way through the uh, roped lines. Uh, Goldman Sachs' uh, son goes the one way, Loki the other. Uh, then, Pete, we get the intro of Miss Minutes, uh, who's going to explain the TVA. Check this out. Long ago, there was a multiversal war with unique timelines risking the destruction of everything. The timekeepers emerged, putting things into a single timeline, the sacred timeline. The proper flow of time is now preserved. Variants wander off the prescribed path, creating a nexus event. Uh, that, of course, could spiral into a multiverse. Don't want any of those March 25th, 2020, uh, and TVA, the TVA and all its workers are there to simply prevent mistakes. So bold-faced exposition given to us as a training video. Right when Loki needs this info, we get the info too. Again, credit to this pilot episode. That's what, maybe maybe 45 seconds of, uh, of promo film there, and now we understand the basic rules of this I'll say world in the story sense, even though I think they're outside of time and place. Tara Strong's Miss Minutes here, making the most of her minutes. Um, and the whole idea that Loki is about to stand trial for his crimes. Hence, here's what you need to catch up on. Uh, the key ideas, proper flow of time. Nexus, of course, Matt, hearkening back to another marvel studios tv show we'll talk about that in our theory segment and of course madness was name checked and that date you gave of course of dr strange the multiverse of madness but for all time always the next attendant will be with loki and the video is done by the Time Variant Authority Narrative Commission, which I thought was an interesting tag at the end of it. So Loki laughs off all of this. Who'd believe it? We see that uh, Goldman Sachs bro is yelling at the guard. He doesn't have a ticket. It's excuses why he doesn't have a ticket. Uh, Sachs boy gets zapped into nothing. All of a sudden, Loki, check, check the pocket, holds the ticket up, um... A humbling moment for him as we get the uh, the the lovely understated title card, uh, of course, with more of that fabulous music. Uh, then Pete, take us to uh, take us to France, to Aix en Provence, France, in 1549. We're in a church where the yet unnamed Owen Wilson character, we really know his name, Mobius and Mobius, is told by a female hunter. And that Minutemen had responded to a routine Nexus event. Here's someone got the jump on them. Hunter U92 uh, says that it's him. And Mobius says that stab wounds look consistent with the others, as do the position of the bodies, not knowing what hit them. The reset charge, the device we've seen beginning of the episode here also gone u92 tells us this is the sixth attack in the last week mobius says that they know of and then a young girl enters the church the uh 
hunters are jumpy, but Mobius has them stand down as it's just a kid uh, in French. And what I appreciate, I appreciate a lot of things about this pilot, but the ability to include humor within the story and not outside is impeccably done. Um, Mobius in French apologizes to the child uh, that his friend is an imbecile. Hunter U92, hey yo, he speaks every language on the timeline to jackass. Um, it was interesting. Uh, one of my watches was with the uh, descriptive audio, in part because, as our loyal listeners know, uh, in the WandaVision uh, experience, certain details got pointed out, like, uh, you know, the, the presence of more than one uh, vision body and so forth. Um, and in the descriptive audio, it just has this very nice lady you know who's doing the descriptive audio is is essentially dubbing the french and so to hear her say you know blah 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 jackass uh it was it was an amusing moment um ultimately though mobius speaking with the child uh drawing a stick figure i think kind of meant to be like oh now push the device and now we're having fun now you trust me who did this uh with that the child points to a stained glass window of the devil. Pete, our WandaVision baddie is finally back for the first time. <laughs> Mephisto confirmed. Uh, not confirmed. We'll talk more about that in theories. Uh, but the stained glass, red-faced, horn figure with golden robes um, is pointed at by the child. Um, who did this? is the discussion between the two of them. It's interesting that they go back and forth from French and English. Um, Mobius tells the child in English, don't worry, that devil's afraid of us, uh, that they're going to take care of him. Uh, so obviously male, and given the events of the main storyline towards the end of this episode, the identity would seem to be all but confirmed. However, uh, the child smiles here and in French, uh, Mobius asks why the blue teeth out of her pocket, the child uh, lifts a pack of kablooey blueberry. I really appreciated the spelling here. Nine units of I would suppose it's gum. There's nothing to say that it is or it isn't, but it seems pretty reminiscent of a pack of gum. Uh, in English here, Mobius says, the devil bearing gifts, and he tells U92 to run this for sequence period and any hints of temporal aura, because they don't already have any of that from Loki. Uh, Hunter tells him, of course, he won't get anything, but Mobius says to give it a shot. Uh, Hunter U92 also says that the branch is nearing red line. They need to go. They direct the child in France, en Francais, go outside, um, and that they set a reset charge, and a portal opens up with another person coming through and telling them, showing us the loki file and that it's been stamped apprehended across it with that we cut to the tva court where loki laufison is uh, brought to the bench the judge asks him to give a plea he says he's a god and would like to go home now 
He admits to being the god of mischief and finding all of this tedious as uh, for being guilty of a crime. He says he's innocent. Uh, and then Pete, compelling, I think, to we the audience and certainly compelling to Loki, uh, is his argument. He blames the Avengers who have traveled through time and put the Tesseract in front of him. He infers, albeit incorrectly, that all this time travel was done to stop Loki on his march to success. Uh, Loki proposes that instead of being a prisoner, he be given a TVA task force and resources, like some of these guards and whatnot, he can help. Um, he is quickly told, though, however, by the, uh, the judge, that uh, what the Avengers did was supposed to happen, Loki escaping was not supposed to happen. Uh, as for what's the difference according to who and whom and all your proper grammars and such, uh, and also, Pete, yes, we're getting exposition here and we're getting uh, Gugu and Batha Raw and we're getting Tom Hiddleston and all this. Uh, we're getting a little philosophical argument here. Who decides what is right and what isn't? Uh, Loki's told, uh, essentially, duh, it's the timekeepers. Uh, Loki asks to meet with them. Nope, they're too busy. Um, Loki says, well then, he is guilty of this magic flare. But there's no magic. <laughs> magic flare, no magic. Uh, tisk tisk says the hunter. He's trying to use magic. He doesn't know that his powers won't work here at the TVA. Uh, with that, he is found guilty and sentenced to be reset, which is a dire thing. All of this while uh, Owen Wilson's character has come in, sat down, and watched what's gone on here. Um, but the magic power is no good in the TVA, so we have stripped this character of essentially what he's able to do. Um, these ridiculous bureaucrats, they're not going to dictate how his story ends, which he will see in a little bit, courtesy the Time Theater. Uh, but he's told it's not his story, never was. Uh, and um, Mobius jumps in at this point. He approaches the bench, uh, immediate signs of rapport with this yet unnamed judge uh he's chasing a hunch uh she doesn't want anything to go sideways otherwise it's on him and uh they allow him to take loki with him great moment here in the hallway which is uh marked with the letters syf which we see in a moment in the elevator uh this vast cityscape uh, that Loki says he's going to burn all of this to the ground. Mobius offers to show him his desk. He can start there. Also reference to this place being a nightmare. Uh-uh. That's another department. You can burn that down. Mobius will help. Uh, at this point, Loki pauses to really take in that great expanse out there. You know, it's Starbase One from Star Trek Discovery. No, oh, sorry. Wrong universe <laughs> again. Um, but... Kudos to Kate Heron and the entire production for just taking that moment. They could have easily said, oh, look, in the green screen background, we're going to put in, you know, ships and junk and zip, zipsy zips and buildings and whatnot to just really push the camera out there and go, this is unlike anything you've ever seen before in the MCU to really relish that is a, is a great moment. Um, Mobius, so I almost called Owen Wilson in part because Pete... 
Owen Wilson is fantastic in this part, and I think part of the reason they got Owen Wilson for Mobius was so Owen Wilson could do Owen Wilson stuff. Um, he says, wow. oh, this is real. Yeah, wow, indeed. Uh, so is all the paperwork that they need to go over. Um, they hop into a convoluted elevator so that they can talk. Uh, Mobius noting that Loki likes to talk. We get, again, from the uh, from the preview, talkie-talkie. It's just so Owen Wilson here. Um, we get a little bit more exposition. Mo- Mobius is part of that workforce created by the timekeepers there to protect the single timeline. And sacred. Lo- say Indeed. Sacred, secret. Pete, it is secret to Loki, although it is, as as you pointed out, uh, formally called the sacred timeline. Uh, Loki again laughs off the idea that there are three space lizards that keep track of everything. Uh, and then Pete gets taken to a round room that looks like, to him, a killing him room. But it's not the killing him kind of room here. There's a table and two chairs. And what winds up being a hollow projector hollow projector 35 millimeter there it's interesting that there's there's different sizes of film um the issue of trust is broached and loki continues to be overconfident here trust being for children and dogs um but why hasn't he heard of the tva until now if they're so important because he never needed to he's always lived within his set path it's at this point loki tries to charge at mobius who corrects him with a device that is later uh labeled a time twister uh and that time moves differently in the tva he's gonna need his cooperation like when he woos those people he then betrays mobius cracks a soda and we're told by him that he specializes in the pursuit of dangerous variants like Loki. No, particularly dangerous variants. Loki is but a pussycat compared to those other ones. Um, and he wants him to answer his questions honestly, and then he'll give him something he wants, which of course is to get out of there. Um, and then we start down this rabbit hole of, well, if I let you out, what are you going to do? He's going to finish what he started, which is to claim his throne. He wants to be king. He was born to be king uh, of Midgard, a.k.a. Earth. Okay, let's play this exercise out. Now you're king. Now what? He would extend his rule to Asgard, to the Nine Realms, to space. Uh, Oh, space is big, says Mobius. Don't mock me, says Loki. Uh, But Mobius says he's a fan, and he wants to know why someone with such tremendous range would just want to rule. And you you really get a sense in this scene of the rapport between Owen Wilson, who, when Marvel was wooing him for this, uh, Owen Wilson apparently hadn't heard much of the uh much about the mcu or these marvel movies that everyone goes to see um but the, i mean great rapport between them also kind of word on set that it was great having owen wilson there in part because 
uh, I believe it was Kate Heron, the director, said, you know, he's a he's a uh, a a writer at heart. He, of course, is an Oscar-nominated uh, writer, uh, nominated for uh, for the Royal Tenenbaums, uh, low these twenty years ago. Um, but just the ability for Owen Wilson to be doing his stuff as an actor and writer, to have Tom Hiddleston, the Loki, uh, you know, the, the Loki expert for these last 10 years plus, um, everybody, both actors here know exactly what's going on with their characters and whatnot, regardless of the fact that one has had a decade plus in the MCU and the other one got a call from, uh, some division at Disney that makes comic books or something, um, but in this scene here, we were about to get even more exposition. Uh, again, I would say all of it really effective for a couple of reasons, including like the entire audience needs to be oriented towards this Loki, not the Loki that you've been on a journey with from you know the first Thor movie all the way through Endgame, because now it's a slightly different Loki. Um, so whether you have those memories or you've forgotten some things or you're brand new to this, this is the scene that I think it said, all right, we're now going to officially make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, Loki calling uh, all of this a circus. He's trying to take away the song of freedom. Um, we are going to fire up the, uh, Pete, what I call the greatest hits there on that hollow projector. Uh, it's interestingly the greatest hits kind of out of order. Uh, it's the end mm -hmm. of Avengers where he's caught. Uh, oh, and he killed, uh, he killed Coulson. It's noted that that's a little solid. Phil Coulson? Phil Colson. Ace uh, to Shield, Phil Colson? Little solace to a dead man, which unfortunately Mobius doesn't question. Uh oh 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 multiverse. Oh Jeff Loeb. Uh you have been bested by Kevin Feige. Um Well, we, there's hundred and thirty six episodes of Agents of Shield that would disagree with that. Um, we have a recap of Loki being a liberator of eyeballs, like uh, earlier in the Avengers movie. Uh, now we're going to talk about some escapes. Here's one where Loki was D.B. Cooper in a delightful scene that, uh, Pete, again, we had seen some footage uh, of this in the, uh, in the, in the trailer. Uh, I did not expect it to be so early in this first episode, nor did I expect it to be actually an anecdotal flashback. In retrospect, the fact that we get Loki's greatest hits and we get a new greatest hit, that's a smart move there to, to, to break up all of this. You know, there's a whole scene where we're going to watch a bunch of clips from other movies. So yeah, have the brand new D.B. Cooper adventure. I'm a little unsure once we're told by Loki that he was a young man that he lost a bet to Thor. So wait a minute, the DB Cooper event unsolved still, Matt, low these many years, despite the fact that they found uh, singed cash uh, in a uh, brook in British Columbia um, that was authenticated as having been from that heist. Um, how Loki could be, in 1971 young when we know thor is on the level of thousands of years old maybe just a little bit of an oversight yeah i think that's a that's a good old-fashioned um whoops a daisy by uh series creator and episode writer michael waldron um i think that's just i, I would agree with you pete he's not a young man he was not a young man 50 years ago um so, all right, you, you get half a point off for not 
having a better sense of the chronology and none of the producers catching that either. Pete, the charisma there from Tom Hiddleston as he tries to woo the flight attendant. Uh, no, no, not woo. Maybe do read that note. Not a telephone number. I've got a bomb. Uh, we have the plane landing because if you don't know the D.B. Cooper story, when you're done with the podcast, go check out any YouTube video on it or the Wikipedia or whatever because, you know, they short flight has says he has the bomb. They land. They then load up the plane with... Uh, load up being relative he, he's given a, a bunch of money um and then just as in real life db cooper uh goes out the back of the airplane and had a rear um stair thing uh jumps into the skies here though of course is where heimdall uh catches him you see the fluttering of the cash so that keeps things uh consistent with the real world that some cash did make it to the ground and got recovered and so forth um and Mobius is impressed. You were D.B. Cooper there. Uh, and uh, a fun moment concluded. Can't wait to see who else he has been throughout time. Um, but he, again, he says he lost this bet to Thor. Interesting to know what the bet might have been. Um, he wants to know, though, where was the TVA then when he was meddling in these affairs of men? Uh, they seem to have had the timekeeper's seal of approval though but mobius resets his thinking don't think about it in terms of approval or disapproval but let's get back to these escapes and what is it that loki's really running from i like the setup of this scene and as i understand it there's more interaction between mobius and loki like this coming um one of the interviews I watched with the press junket talked a lot about, you know, these these long takes that would take days, but the way in which that they've put them together uh, to get at the characters, it more so resembles therapy than it does interrogation. Oh, absolutely. Particularly as this overall conversation goes on, it's going to be interrupted by an action sequence in a bit. By the way, Pete, just to circle back to D.B. Cooper for a second, I think there's another way to analyze that line. Uh, what are the two things that Loki does most of the time? He likes to talk, and when he talks, he's usually what? Escaping? Uh, he, he oftentimes is lying. So it's, it, it also is possible, too. We can have our cake and eat it, too. He might just be saying to, uh, to Mobius, oh, I was a younger man. I would, you know, Even though, relatively speaking, he was not. So it's possible he's just a liar, too. Um, well... That's another way to look at it. Uh, speaking of great lines, the we have here uh, Loki ready to walk. In, indeed, it's a bit of an excuse, I think, to... to uh, I don't want to suggest that the scene is dead, but to, to keep things lively, to get him up and monologuing, he gets rewound. Mobius says, I can play the heavy keys too. Pete, I'm going to keep that one filed away. Um, but... Loki is allowed to then get up and walk around a monologue. He's asked to be honest about why he does what he does. Um, key line here that doesn't jump out as a key line until later when it gets called back to Loki says that all of this, the TVA and whatnot, it's an illusion. These folks pretend that the TVA is the divine arbiter of all. Uh, the notion here that, that they are projecting fearful things to hide their own weakness um, no, no, Mobius confirms that they are the divine arbiter of it all. Uh, we have Mobius's future shown, uh, or his original future. Loki uh, 
gets that view of things. Uh, a cell on Asgard, disappointing his heartbroken mother. Um, future Loki tells Frigga that she's not his mother. Uh, we get a little recap of Thor The Dark World, which, Pete, I have to say, I appreciated because I probably haven't watched that since we saw it in the movies all those years ago. Um, and honestly, I had forgotten that Loki sent them up to the left and not the right, uh, meaning to send them to Thor, but instead sending the Dark Elves to Frigga, leading to her death. Um, show Loki denies that this could ever be the truth. Uh, Pete, it is an important story point from Thor The Dark World. Uh, as I said, I had completely forgotten and 110% appropriately used here, even if it is them just watching Thor The Dark World on Disney Plus, hollow version. It is the adopted Thor movie, that. Um, yeah, he is, in essence, responsible for the death of his mother, this is the true proper flow of time because it's supposed to happen. It has to happen. So the question then becomes, does he enjoy hurting people, killing people like his mother? Uh, and he's time twisted again when he takes another shot at Mobius. He wasn't born to be king. He was born to cause pain and suffering and death. Also that others can achieve the best version of themselves you know like the avengers uniting um and at this point uh mobius helps him up b15 interrupts uh and they have a situation they always have a situation um mobius tells loki not to go anywhere it's just getting good outside they talk b15 says that it is a mistake to speak to this variant he should be reset but she thinks everyone should be reset and they have just lost another unit now you might say surely they could have had this conversation back in time theater five uh, pete michael waldron knew what he was doing for it has given loki an opportunity to disappear Mobius stepping back into the time theater. Loki's gone. So is the time twister rewind button remote thing. Uh, we cut to Loki zapping into a hallway where Pete in the background. Is that Agent Carter? I don't know. Um, Loki instead eyes the desk clerk. Uh, Loki kind of tracks him for a bit. Uh, now named Casey. Casey... Uh, Give Loki the Tesseract or you will be gut like a fish. And then just the great, you know, the great response there. But I don't know what a fish is. Um, Loki explains it's about a violent, painful death. Fine, fine, fine. Casey hands over the Tesseract. Loki sees a drawer full of apparently multiple Infinity Stones. How are they here? Turns out the TVA has lots of those. But Pete, in, in my own writerly flourish, I'd like to say that when it comes to Infinity Stones, to the TVA, they're NBD around here. <laughs> yes, yeah, some used as paperweights, several time stones there, one of which Loki picks up and gasps softly before he stands. And then there's a moment of realization holding the Tesseract in front of a monitor there. Is this the greatest power in the universe? Not the Tesseract, but the TVA. Ding! It's B-15, and she takes a swing. Loki disappears, and she disintegrates or prunes 
Casey's cart almost hit him. That's messed up. And he's not going to forgive her. And let's just pause for a moment, Pete, that uh, actor Eugene Cordero here now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, has appeared in The Mandalorian. So that makes uh, Eugene Cordero a Star Wars vet uh, and also voices uh, Sam Rutherford on Star Trek Lower Decks. So he's got your Star Trek, your Star Wars and your Marvel. Uh, he's like a he's like a little itty bitty Ming Na Wen here. I, itty bitty Ming hasn't shown up in uh, Star Trek yet, so he's he's one up on her. Uh, true, I guess I don't know that Eugene Cordero has has done animated Disney animated stuff. Maybe I, maybe I'm giving Ming Na Wen the uh, the nod there for uh, for for being a Disney princess. Uh, but I digress. Loki has rewound or fast forwarded or whatever back to the time theater. He ponders the Avengers and their uh, success. Uh, he goes back to watching the tape of his life, uh, seeing his mother's death. He's reflecting and sad, tears in his eyes, lip quivering. This is Tom Hiddleston's power. This is his acting, uh, his acting ability here. Um, also, Pete, we had discussed in prior podcasts, you know, at what point is there some sort of resolution between the Loki that we like at the end of his arc in Endgame and this Loki who still is a bad Loki, well, as this Loki watches uh, his father's death, hearing about his father's love for both sons, later still, as the brothers fight to save the day together, uh, seeing indeed Loki standing up to Thanos, the greatest threat in the universe, uh, and then indeed his very end. Within the scene, Loki is incensed at the end of his life, uh, perhaps humbled as well. I would like to add on to it, now we have the dramatic license for, you know, we'll handle the mission of the week for the next couple episodes, but now there's the dramatic license to go. And he's learned lots of lessons, including all the lessons that he watched uh, in the learning annex version of his life. Now he's the nice-ish Loki that we saw in Endgame, and now we can fully like this one too. It's a smart way to handle the character's catch-up of that story. With the tape having run out here, he laughs, taking it all in. B-15 asks him, what's so funny? Of course, it's his glorious purpose. She gets him, she grabs him, but he grabs the time twister, takes off his collar, puts it on her, and then plays with her. Stop it. Stop it. Ultimately, he drops it and leaves Casey's in the hallway telling two other guys he was going to be a turned into a fish, whatever that is. Um, and then they showed up and they pruned his cart. B-15 pops up in the hallway there. There's another uh, couple posters, one that says that they're always watching the TVA and still another that uh, Nexus events must be pruned and the variant has gotten away. With that, Pete, back in time or back to the future or back to the theater, we can say that much, the time theater, Loki rubbing his temples, Mobius arrives. Uh, don't ignore the fact that he's got that buzz baton in hand, uh, so ready to take action, not just give Owen Wilson quips. Uh, Loki recognizes that if he goes back to his timeline, then he knows how his path will end, um, which I must confess, Pete, was not... Uh, it was not a story problem. I thought that they would um, 
give us. I just kind of assumed at some point or at some, you know, far off future when the series has finally run its course, okay, put him back to where he was. Um, they're taking that off the table, apparently. Loki admits to not enjoying hurting people. He does it because he has to and had to. It's part of the illusion, a trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear uh, to get control. So again, a bit of a callback. His take on how he thought the TVA operated was, in fact, he was recognizing how he operates himself. He plays the villain, though Mobius does not see him that way. Uh, Loki toys with the Tesseract. It, too, is powerless here, and that's, again, proof of the power of the TVA. So, you know, we've had the most mystery box experience in the MCU being WandaVision. We've had who is the power broker and so on and so forth uh, in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like that they are double hammering home here. No, 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 the TVA power is real. Don't take your theory boat and row on over to... You know, other variant Loki has come up with a fake holodeck for this Loki. Like, it's none of that. This is for real. These are the boundaries of this thing that you've never heard of before in the MCU. And it's all very, very clearly communicated to Loki and to us. So the offer here is not salvation, but perhaps something better. And we get the thrust moving forward. There is a fugitive variant who has been killing Minutemen, hence the procedural at the beginning of the first act. Uh, why him, Matt? Because this variant they're hunting is him. Dun, dun, dun. With that, we cut to Selena, Oklahoma in 1858. TVA hunters arrive. Finding a spear. Pete, I think it's out of time. Uh, anachronistic pete it's very anachronistic (laughs) there you go um there's oil around here probably some time machine thief came back here to get rich Uh, but they see someone over there uh no don't set the set the charge yet uh that someone has a lantern the lantern is used uh to you know it's thrown to the ground the oil in the field spreading the fire hunter is ablaze uh we see the time charge has a been left untouched and picked up by the mysterious uh, figure to end the episode. Pete, from the credits, I must mention, we have, of course, our top-tier executive producers, Feige, Desposito, Alonso, um, then kind of the second-tier uh, executive producers, uh, Stephen Broussard, who I must confess the name is not familiar to me, then Tom Hiddleston, uh, along with um, Michael Waldron and uh, Kate Heron. Uh, to my eye, Pete, no actor has ever ranked so high as an executive producer on a Marvel project as we wrap up this episode. Hey! Oh, wow. 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 Oh, man, I feel like, wow. Are you ready to have your mind blown, Pete? Let's talk some theories and start with with, uh, a little one, but a good one. That cat in the office of the guy who writes down everything Loki said, is that just a cat or is it a Captain Marvel cat? I, by which I mean a flurkin. I don't think it's a flurkin. Um, that we see it, that it's also on the mug of that bearded bureaucrat with the dot matrix printer. Um, just, just a pet Un- until we're told otherwise. So from that 
uh, I don't know, silly theory. Here's one that I want to explore uh, seriously for a second. This idea of resetting the timeline, we have these reset time charges and so forth. We also have the word reset used when Loki is sentenced, and later Mobius says uh, words to the effect of, you know, oh no, dead, that's what they were going to do with the reset, we're on a mission, and so forth. Pete, does a reset burn everything in the branch timeline? Are those nice Mongolians who found Loki dead? Is the petite French child dead, along with all life in that branch? I don't think they're dead. They're just pushed back to an earlier point. But if you have multiple branches and you're pruning the branch, in my mind, everything on that branch has now been snipped and thrown in the fire. Um, and again, when you're dealing with the sacred timeline and the risk of a multiverse, um, I I add to it when Loki is pulled through the time door out of Mongolia, there's a look of horror on his face. I think, Pete, that that's the reset burn happening and he's saying, oh my goodness, all of this is gone. Um, I'm, I, I, me personally, I'm planting the flag to say, keep an eye out for this, listeners, as the episodes unfold. I think there's going to be, I think we're going to be told, you know, no, 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 all of that gets, gets burned with the reset. I have to wait and see, Matt, the scroll that we see early in the episode, the second scroll in three, uh, Marvel Studios TV shows, we just got some casting on Secret Invasion, which of course is going to be important for the scroll. Seem like they're becoming increasingly important in this universe. Absolutely. And then you add to it um, the fact that this show was filmed in Atlanta, same as much, uh, but not all, of, um, of uh, WandaVision. So it, I guess my point is this, Pete. It could be a very high-flying... Uh, little detail there in terms of you know watch out for more scrolls it also could be like hey we need some filler hey we had Susie in the scroll makeup two days ago let's bring her back and stand in the background here for this uh, for this other show um I guess only only time can tell speaking of time Pete does Loki end up um taking down the TVA at the end of this season is this season what will key in the multiverse of madness in March of next year, particularly now that we are back, we're back on the intended Marvel rollout of these shows and movies and whatnot, where we are firmly, at least in a production and release sense, we are firmly uh, post-COVID and concessions are no longer being made to let's get something out there or, you know, we have WandaVision ready to go first. Not, all of that is now behind us. Are we setting up in this fun little show where Loki's a, 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 a mischievous scamp? Is it also... Will he undo all reality uh, five weeks from now? Well, that they're giving us things like the Nexus first mentioned in WandaVision in the pharmaceutical commercial um, and uh, checking madness, multiverse of, of madness. This was to have been out before multiverse of madness, which is originally scheduled to already be out correct correct but i think i mean things could be off by a couple weeks or even a couple months but the intended order of loki is the third marvel studios show to hit um disney plus 
well ahead of maybe not i don't i don't remember when it was originally in relation to black widow but loki was always going to come out before shang chi which was always going to come out before eternals then spider-man then doctor strange and indeed when sony moved the spider-man date to where it is now december 17th 2021 that then further necessitated the doctor strange move um (laughs) hashtag it's really really all connected but again just i don't know that black widow shang chi and eternals have anything to do with um, with the, the notion of the multiverse, but I am pretty sure that the intended, what I will propose is the multiverse arc here, Loki, Spider-Man, No Way Home, then Doctor Strange 2. I think all of that is in the order that they intended. It's just later than they meant. Well, Miss Minutes video is certainly important in terms of all of that. So the notion that long ago there was a vast multiversal war hmm maybe something that the internals uh tangled in matt you know because they sat out the thanos infinity war then uh that there's another one coming with dr strange and now that we've seen wanda fully realize her powers and she's looking for her kids all this coming to a head again so the more reason we need to understand one the function of the tda as it polices these many branching timelines all off the sacred timeline beyond the audacity of you know that three they're called lizards here we haven't seen them other than gigantic heads and atlas-esque statues holding up things uh the the timekeepers and where where how and why exactly they get off doing that and then that one of them really resembles kang the conqueror yeah i think there's there's the strong possibility that unlike let's say the first avengers movie where to be compl- I think for a lot of viewers, myself included, when there was the Thanos um, turn to camera and smile, I think as a mid credit scene, kind of was like, okay, who's this guy again? But like when you said, okay, well, hey, somebody's told me about the comics. Okay, I just looked it up online. Okay, they're heading for this big, you know, get all these stones and, and big galactic showdown. Okay, got it. And you could kind of see the arc coming. It's interesting to think that we didn't necessarily see a multiverse like we could be i'm increasingly thinking we're in the middle of this multiverse arc we just kind of don't we didn't know it yet when it was like oh loki's gonna have a show he's gonna hop through time okay cool whatever that sounds fun now we're like wait are we setting up the next the next the next as opposed to saying hey Thanos is coming and uh i read the infinity gauntlet thing uh i read the graphic novel so i kind of know where things are headed um the notion that here you know that many of these upcoming movies can be tightly tied together either in their own plot or post-credit mid-credit cameo whatever it is pete it's fun to have a blank map again for the mcu i don't know that it's it's blank i mean we're rapidly filling it in and all around this idea of a multiverse the religious overtones of a sacred timeline and then the conundrum of the responsibility for it. 
is very interesting. I think the video really underscores it, you know, so you have the little yellow variants, one of whom strangely has a cup head <laughs> that I really appreciated. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, like, will Dr. Strange have a, a multiverse where there are people with handles on the side of their head? Like if they, if they do that and they lean into that, then we'll fully know how it's truly connected Matt for the first time when it was hashtag it's all connected at one time. Uh, but the, the video showing the one variant, uh, you know, causing an uprising looks a lot like he's on Titan um, there's things in the background that make it reminiscent of Thanos' homeworld. Uh, and then that another one just didn't show up to work. So seemingly large events, seemingly meaningless events can turn you into a variant. And I look forward to the way in which this show has fun with that. But that the video is put together by something known as the Time Variant Authority Narrative Commission. So they're telling you right there, this is a narrative, not in a story, but it's the modern um, appropriation of the word narrative as in an agenda. And I think that's where I was surprised, I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, along with our time hopping you know uh anti-hero fun in the background in the foundation of this we're getting some free will versus predestination free will versus someone is forcing you to make certain decisions um i think loki's courtroom argument that here he has been bested uh temporarily in his mind by the avengers and now more avengers are coming to stop him uh and they hopped through time, and they just dropped a thing in front of him, and he took it to scram. Um, I don't know that we, like, had any deep knowledge that he knew how to use the Tesseract to go to a, you know, to create a branch and, you know, all of that. It's just, hey, I'm trying to escape. That's punishable by death versus what the Avengers did was not. I agree with him that there's a basic unfairness there, and there's a basic sense of uh, taking away one's own decisions uh, I don't know how heavily the remaining five episodes are going to get into that, um, but it's there. It's there from the outset in this episode. The missing reset charges. So there's been six attacks. We don't know necessarily that the one at the very end of the episode is number seven or number 70, but these reset charges are being collected before they can be used. So how the timeline might be altered as a result of that. And is that hooded figure at the conclusion of this episode, indeed Loki, just because Mobius tells him that the fugitive they're looking for is Loki doesn't mean that that is Loki. Well, Pete, I'm glad you mentioned that because when there was the uh, mostly virtual red carpet thing for Loki earlier this week, Okay, you had in Los Angeles on the same stage Kevin Feige and uh, Owen Wilson. And then in London, you had Tom Hiddleston and Sofia DiMartino, who Wikipedia tells me has an undisclosed role. But wait, Pete, it's also been noticed that I think it's in the credits or, or somewhere where you see Loki's file uh, and his gender is denoted as fluid. Pete, why would Sofia DiMartino be given such a prominent 
place. Uh, heck, does she even appear in this episode, cloaked and lit from behind? Does she? Well, I'll, I'll, look, I'm uh, Lady Loki. I think is a coming. I think I think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, the number one rumor in that regard is that Sofia Martino is playing Lady Loki. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Loki, the Loki who torched uh, Selena, Oklahoma, whether it was actually Hiddleston in the cloak or not, I think very quickly we're gonna have, we're gonna have, you know, Hiddleston versus Hiddleston, and then oh wait, let me switch over to this female form. By the way, Pete, while we're on the topic of Selena, Oklahoma, okay, oil was discovered there in 1859, so the presence of Lady Loki or the mysterious Loki being there in 1858, a little ahead of things, that tracks too. And you would expect that they would have that down there. Um, Little surprising, Matt, the craziness over the gender fluidity detail that people were freaking out over that when that's always been a thing connected with the character. Pete, I think for some people it's like, wait, in the comics, it's one thing when I get to look at Loki with bosoms, but now all of a sudden you're pushing your agenda. How about Loki shifting gender uh, in the comics, Loki shifting gender now? Here's my take. I'm sure it's your take as well. If that is connect, if if Loki, the fake character doing fake holographic or molecular reorganization, whatever it is, uh, if Loki shifting gender, if Loki being gender fluid, uh, if that brings solace to some people who who are um, experiencing that perspective of the world in the real world, I say bring it on. To me, to me, it doesn't bother me one bit. I personally don't see a lot of, um, I don't see it as, you know, there, Disney again is pushing some sort of agenda. It's based on the comics. Loki is a magical character who can take many different forms. Um, if it's upsetting you, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I, I know that this decade of MCU is bringing more diversity, more inclusion when it comes to uh, race, identity, gender, age and so forth so if the prospect of seeing Sophia DiMartino dressed up as Loki also playing another Loki that Tom Hiddleston may play as well uh if that's grossly offensive to you uh now is a good time to get off the merry-go-round yeah I I question a uh multiverse where people would be upset by that and be okay with something called Loki charms Pete, speaking of charming, is that the charming Agent Carter who walks through uh, the uh, time elevator thing? Not elevator, but the time the time portal thing. Is that Agent Carter in the background? I mean, boy, if they weren't going for a doppelganger there, what were they doing? Um, it's been pointed out by a lot of people. It's pretty hard to not see and not get your hopes up for it. Uh, we do have a stained glass window discussion to have here. I'll say this on, um, you know, Sam's Club, uh, Agent Carter. Um, would they undo uh, Steve and Peggy's 
happiness that that was a violation of the sacred timeline and and somehow they were never meant to be together ergo you are not together you have been apprehended peggy carter and it, and it was her crime and not steve's or matt i'm kind of hopeful and we know this won't happen that it somehow gives agent carter a chance to correct its uh unresolved cliffhanger I'll just add to it, it's possible that in the main, what we are assuming is the main MCU timeline, although, as always, the Endgame directors differ from the Endgame writers as to whether Steve going back is sacred timeline or branch timeline, uh, which I guess is a whole discussion that gets new, gets a fresh coat of paint or lack of paint um, now that now that this show is really uh, pushing forth the notion of one single timeline, so we can knock it all down by... Uh, by next March, uh, but I digress. It is possible that maybe prime timeline Agent Carter, they're living happily with Steve Rogers after Endgame, that maybe the Doc Brown of the MCU comes in and says, Agent Carter, we need you to do time things. And she goes and steps out and does a time adventure while... Your niece is going to become an... Pete, let me pause you right there, but just to say, yeah, whatever the, whatever the mission might be, while... You know, while while Steve is making coffee, she might step away for, you know, the briefest moment to powder her nose, go and do an Agent Carter MCU uh, Disney Plus adventure for 10 episodes and then come back and say, uh, OK, let's have that coffee like that. You know, that works to do that kind of time loop. So oh, I got it. I got it, Matt. Let's what hear it. Pitch if, it, Pete. What if it's her what if self? That could be really fun, too. By the way, on the topic of what if, multiple lower-tier geek websites hanging on the, on the idea that um, what if will be released in August. Right now, the only upper-tier claim, and I'm, I'm being generous with upper-tier, but the only place that that has been stated with any authority is one infographic or article from Entertainment Weekly. So fully officially officially from disney there is no what if date thus far um so stay tuned in that regard what about matt the idea here of the predetermination does that not apply inside the tva as well um i think i think it's a great question i think as a basic storytelling premise the answer would be no, which is why you have people like Agent Mobius who don't know the answers to things because since they are existing outside of time, I guess they are experiencing things in their own linear time. Like, you know, where is the bad Loki that has uh, taken out six groups, you know, six teams that we know of in the last week? Um, so I guess they don't... They only have their own internal chronology separate from the chronology of the sacred timeline. So the stained glass window, okay, clearly a devil uh, mentioned in dialogue, uh, but this has already been shot down as you know who, Matt. I certainly never seriously considered uh, that it would be Mephisto. I think that it's... At best, it's by design where they're going to say, oh, we know everybody will have thought Mephisto from WandaVision. Although I think everybody was, everybody in the WandaVision realm was um, 
you know, really surprised by how fervent that that uh, that theory was. But so if it was by design, it's meant to be a bit of a fake out. I think at the I think probably middle of the road, it was meant to be a placeholder where you go, what? Some devilish character. And then when you see Dominelson Loki or when you see uh, uh, the Sofia DiMartino version or another version, I think we're going to see the, the the horned helmet thing and go, mm-hmm. oh, that's why the French child said you know it's like the devil because of the horns not because it's the devil and that was specifically referenced in the discussion by uh michael waldron there in the run-up to the show uh but the timekeepers matt are we actually going to meet them um i think it is it, it's reasonable to say that we might if you're asking me to make a call i will say this there apparently is not just kind of like critical buzz and whatnot, but apparently some of the powers that be are leaving open the possibility for more than one season of Loki. Um, now, I know there was kind of similar hedging of bets as WandaVision was coming out. I would suspect that this is more... It's There's more of a possibility of Loki season two than uh, either of the other two shows that have come out so far. Which is a long way of saying, if you want to save something for season two, it could be the timekeepers. So could it happen this season? Sure. If they've been told, if they've been told privately, we're not saying no in a second season. Oh, you can go call up the Wandavision people because they were told no, basically from the outset. Do your nine, and that's it. Save some stuff if you want. Then I think that's something that might be better saved. But let's see how these five episodes unfurl. Apart from the exposition about multiverse wars and how the TVA works, I really appreciated, through the use of the time theater, this uh, vibe, Matt, that I most closely associate with the Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life. Um, And what, uh, what aesthetic is that? The idea that you could play back these what the show uses the language of greatest hits, but basically moments in your life here, are the ones that Loki never experienced that we already know about and gain knowledge. Yeah. I think it's, it's elemental to having this character grow and grow fast. Um, as I said earlier, I think it's all, you know, it's a de facto way to say, and now he's learned all those things, even though if you really think about it, even if you took that footage, if you were Loki or if this happened in your life, in your version of, uh, of your life, um, if you took that footage as 100% real, I don't know that it would be as internalized as experiencing those events. But again, we'll give the show kind of the, uh, we'll give the show the willful suspension of disbelief to say, all right, got it. Now he's learned all these things and he can change as a result and he can change his destiny, which ended up being um, a valuable on-screen death in terms of we as the audience, but ultimately what was Loki's impact? Like, did, did Loki's death have any impact on Thanos? Nope. Loki died a useless death. So I, the, the ability to put meaning back in there is, is, is uh, an important one. Let's talk about a non-useless death, Matt. And not even kind of a death of that, but that of Phil Coulson. Yeah, look, we've talked before about how there was this corporate rift between Marvel Television, Marvel Studios, and how uh, you know when Agents of Shield was out and Agent Carter, and when when it was the the 
times of milk and honey for Marvel television, the Netflix deal and all that, uh, how Jeff Loeb clearly considered himself to be the equal of Kevin Feige. Fast forward a couple of years, Jeff Loeb has a whole lot less shows to watch over because they're getting canceled left and right. Fast forward a few years more, Kevin Feige is now his boss and has shut down Marvel television. Um, we've discussed before how I think um, privately, I think Kevin Feige remembers the fact that at places like New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con, uh, Jeff Loeb was willing to, um, and I'm projecting here, but willing to take the success of Marvel Studios, slap a TV show that's kind of connected to it, and say, look, I'm better. Uh, and I think that as a result, you have the flavor of, whether it's Kevin Feige himself, or the flavor of Marvel Studios is essentially to Mission Impossible style disavow uh, the Marvel television shows. Could you have had a moment here where Owen, you know, oh, uh, Coulson is dead. No one Wilson could have gone. Eh. And then just continue. There was that possibility. I don't know if it was ever pitched. I don't know if people were told, Michael Waldron, don't you dare write that because then Kevin's going to be upset or whomever. Um, or if Michael Waldron had no idea because the briefing file given to him by Marvel Studios did not include any MCU, or pardon me, any Marvel television stuff or whatever the scenario, but they could have retconned back in what has kind of been retconned out, you know, that kind of the existence of Marvel television has been pushed away from the MCU. This could have pulled it back. Instead, it did not. And I think, Pete, we are all a bit poorer for it. Did the TVA agents come for the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, let's take what they're saying to a logical conclusion here. If there is a sacred timeline, which, quick side note, if the TVA is existing outside the sacred timeline, fine. If you want to say that there's a that there's a, a sacred and a secular TVA timeline, fine. But then that's still technically two timelines. But nonetheless, fine. There's 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 sacred heaven and secular earth. So I'll grant you that one, uh, Pete. If logically the TVA prunes all of these branches, and if as it became increasingly um, uh, argued about, I won't quite say clear, but increasingly, I will say, part of the DNA of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the latter three seasons or so, that it was on its own timeline. Um, yeah, I think it would be reasonable to assume that at some point, you know, maybe that slow-growing branch, all of a sudden, a junior-level agent of the TVA was told, all right, go back there, go back there to uh, the attempts to uh, reanimate the dead Coulson, wipe it all out. So it's possible, Pete, that it exists in our hearts, but uh, is not part of the um, the singular sacred timeline and not part of the multiverse, at least the way the MCU views it. Lastly, Matt, there's been a lot of anger over Infinity Stones in a drawer. Uh, red ones, green ones, blue ones, only one gold orange one you know, the soul stone people saying, you know, what did Natasha Romanoff, what did Gamora die for? If these are a punchline in a drawer? Well, if people are actually upset about that, I would say, look, the, this show very clearly spells out that the TVA is the most powerful thing in existence and spells out that there is a natural possibility for an infinite amount of, of multiverses. And if multiverses exist, that means that each, um, 
each existence is also infinitely um, insignificant. So it's it's the TVA flexing about the fact that you know Infinity Stones. Hey, it made for a really great ten year saga for the MCU, but but the TVA is way more powerful than that. That was the story point. Um, add to it that there's stuff from the comics that. Um, highlight that Infinity Stones are powerless outside their own realities. So within the MCU reality, they were super important and people died for the Soul Stone and so on and so forth. That can be true while simultaneously outside of their own reality, the next multiverse over, if you take this Tesseract and go to another another universe, it will be equally powerless. You can have two things that are opposite that exist at the same time. It, both can be true, Especially when you're talking about, you know, um, attractive people in leather running around and making a TV show. And that's just it. I think it fully underscores the threat to time and alternate universes that make the Infinity Stones seem passe by comparison. So Kevin Feige might be his own timekeeper as well. Pete, now it is time to check for listener feedback here. We'll start with our poll on Twitter, uh, which read, Variant alert, Loki Wednesdays are here, and our Loki podcast for episode one arrives on Saturday. Hey, that's the one you're listening to right now. Uh, What did people think of the episode? Pete, one star, rewinds time, got 0%. Two stars, I'm a fish, question mark, got 3.4%. Three stars, wow, got 12.1%. And then four stars, glorious, Got 84.5%, so lots of enthusiasm there. Um, some tweets, first one up from our captain, our time lord, perhaps, time lizard, never, uh, is Noel Gardner, that's at Noel Camille, who says, I love this episode. The D.B. Cooper reveal was glorious. Now I want to know what their bet was. All the shows have an element of identity at their core, and Loki's journey is going to be very interesting to watch. They dropped Multiverse and Madness. This is going to be fun. Also heard from J.T. Atkins. That's at J.T.A. is me. 1950s communist bureaucracy vibe is strong with this one. Pete, that's not a, pers- uh, a perspective I had considered, although I think J.T. JT's on the on the money there. I'm looking forward to all the twists and turns for certain. Speaking of the multiverse, can we ship Miss Minutes and Badgie now? Wow. <laughs> For those not knowing that Badgie is the uh, uh, holodeck helper character from Star Trek Lower Decks. So two animated helpful characters there. Uh, We also heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139. Anybody tracking this progression like my brain is? And uh, he's shared a picture of um, Moby and Mobius and the (laughs) the other Mobius, the vampire, and Morpheus... And the other Morpheus from uh, from the Neil Gaiman stuff. So we got Moby, Moby, Mobius, Morpheus, Morpheus. Um, Pete, also percep- uh, per- uh, perception, a perspective I had not uh, considered, but I like it. That's wild. That's the multiverse we need. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln also says, loved it. Give me a good expositor- uh, expository first episode about one of the most fascinating sci-fi subjects time travel and said it one of my favorite franchises and i'm a happy guy wandavision started with a magic mystery falcon and the winter soldier started with action and now loki sets up something even better 
We heard from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killin on Twitter. Off to a fantastic start. Pete with the PH, he spelled it. Uh, as always, can't wait for the pod. Anyone else get a Hitchhiker's Guide vibe in the TVA? Uh, I think hashtag it's all time necked. Uh, we heard from uh, Steve Thurbridge at Steve Thurbridge on Twitter. Great setup. Surprised to see DB Cooper was part of show one. That means a lot of new stuff to come. We all know Kang is coming. So is that part of a big bad? Pete, you had kind of asked that question before. What is your answer to Steve? I'm actually not allowed to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo1983 says, okay. So they try to throw in a Mephisto reference in the beginning just to get it over with. I actually laughed when I saw the stained glass. <laughs> Episode was great. Hiddleston embodies this character. Can't wait for it to continue. Pete, it does occur to me, though the show started filming pre, um, pre-COVID and was halted by COVID, um, and then resumed production in uh, September through December 2020, uh, I know WandaVision had not yet been released, but my point is this. They did not necessarily shoot everything from episode one before everything from episode two. For all we know, the insert shot of the devil thing could have been added, you know, it could have been added, um, it could have been more devilish to get a Mephisto thing in post-production after WandaVision came out, if if that makes sense. Like, yes, this was started way back when, but it also was, you know, they could have added that shot five days ago to just plunk a plunk a picture in there and whatnot so i guess only uh only the, the hairdresser knows or whatever um, is the is the explanation that it's not mephisto exactly what they want us to think so when mephisto shows up later <laughs> oh man um we heard from jordan tanner a variant that's what they say on uh, twitter that's at mighty underscore jor Loved the first episode, very sci-fi, the music, exposition, humor, and heart all sticking to landing. I'm hoping Loki gets another shot at life after seeing how tragic his was. I'm also curious to see how Loki ties into Multiverse of Madness since they share a head writer, which is a great observation, Pete. Michael mm-hmm. Waldron left the production of this show at a certain point, uh, under no animosity, um, left the production of this show to be not just the writer, but the on-set writer for Doctor Strange. Uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, one of the writing staff members from uh, from Loki then was promoted to on-set writer to deal with issues as they came up, along with Oscar-nominated uh, writer Owen Wilson and so forth. Um, so yeah, the connections there are very strong. Jordan goes on to say, Do you have a hunch that the timekeepers aren't quite what they seem? I suspect the TVA is going to fail, perhaps at the hands of Loki, resulting in madness, as Miss Minutes explained. So... Pete, a number of us have on our radar that Loki might bring everything crashing down in this maybe the 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 lowest stakes of the three uh, of the three <laughs> shows. You know, ah, it's going to be fun time adventures. No, 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 might tear it all down. He said he was going to burn it all down, though. Um, I'm worried Miss Minutes might be more than uh, she seems. Ooh, that could be fun. Uh, we heard from Loki Motion. That's at K C L Y E one. This was a great setup episode. Gave us enough history. Showed the power of the TVA, the guile of Loki, the Avengers, and even humbled Loki at the end. Loving Mobius. So Lunky, uh, Lunky, <laughs> Loki is hunting himself. Um, not what I was expecting. The show looks to be fantastic with a PH. Uh, we also heard from O eight four. That's at O O H eight. The number four spelled out. Spoiler. 
probably the best thing I've uh, ever watched was that uh, that was uh, that full of exposition. I'm such a sucker for character study, so this is right up my alley. My guess is the villain of the season is Lady Loki, but they could go in literally any direction. Uh, Pete, I would like to amend my my misstatement earlier. Maybe in addition to Lady Loki, we get Lunky Loki. I don't know what Lunky Loki would look like, but there's an opportunity to get a Loki lookalike who's Lunky Loki. I think Kid Loki's going to pop up in there as well. What what if it's a multiverse of of Loki's that is the antagonist antagonistic force in this series? I mean, it, it's so open ended at this point. Let's get that Kid Coulson on Twitter to play Kid Loki <laughs> in the show. Uh, we heard from J Philly B. That's at J, uh, at J Philly B for fandom. Fantastic with a PH. First episode. No idea what to expect, but getting serious. The good place vibes and not trusting the sacred timeline setup. After all, uh, really excited for what comes next. Um, Pete, let's first go with the response. There was a response tweet to that from Bruja Escarlata. That's at Modern Priscilla. I was thinking the good place too, and not just because of Eugene Cordero. Pillboy. Um, so, Pete, let's stick with J. Philly B. here for a second. As I said before, fine, there's the sacred timeline, there's the TVA existing outside of it, so it's technically two, but whatever. We'll, we'll accept that as one and then outside of it. Is this all baloney? Is there, are there, more, than, is there more than the sacred timeline and uh, the TVA is hiding that fact? I mean, the existence of a sacred, the sacred timeline... Uh explicitly brings into question the other timelines in terms of legitimacy. Um, And you have to wonder if this doesn't upset the apple cart and another or others get legitimized as a result of this. Time will tell. I think one of the amazing things about the setup or the concept of this show is you, I mean, there, there's tons of possibilities to go, even though we have really firm rules in place, at least thus far, for, for the, the slice of life that the show is operating from. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? On the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt, Kyle Roath writes in, Loki is finally here. Loved it. I am a regular uh, for Legends of Tomorrow and could not help but notice the similarities. The transport door is almost identical. Miss Minute made a strong reference to the multiverse of madness. At the church in the 1500s, they showed that kid very futuristic technology. I'm not sure Mobius's boss would have been fond of that. You guys are finally getting your Mephisto fix in. Loki is Mephisto, or Mephisto is Loki. A quick Google search showed Star Wars also uses a projector. Side note, is Luke Wilson jealous? Owen got the better comic book gig. Uh, I have to admit, Pete, off the top of my head, what comic book gig did Luke Wilson get? That, Matt, would of course be DC's Stargirl. Um, all due respect to uh, Stargirl and whatnot, I would agree that Owen Wilson got the got the, the higher profile gig here. Now, Pete, this episode and indeed our whole future, or is it our past? I don't know. But our whole future of podcasting Loki and all the Marvel stuff that's ahead and all the Star Trek stuff that's ahead uh, and all the Star Wars stuff that's ahead, it's all made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. 
everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Couldn't come in the way of early listens or stuff you're only going to find there. Takes just a dollar to get behind that door. So what amount do you place on this podcast? You determine that. So you got to get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek today. Can't contribute just now? Get yourself to Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating in seconds and leave us a review. It takes a little while longer, all of which help us do our thing for you. And certainly let's keep the Loki conversation going as there's more room for predictions and theories and so forth. So Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,990 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P-H, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, I know next Saturday we will be back talking episode uh, episode two of Loki, currently titled... Oh, wait, there is no title currently. Dun-dun-dun. Um, but we'll be back next Saturday continuing to talk about Loki, both here on the Loki podcast feed as well as uh, simulcast on the Pop Culture podcast feed. So if you want all of what we get, you can catch us there. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Who actually believes this bunkum? Bunkum.